Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. All right, we're back. Another edition of Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry uh, enjoying our January cold weather across the nation and uh, getting ready for Scream to be released this weekend. A reboot or part five. I don't know why they don't call it Scream 5. Maybe it's to trick people. I do not know, but we're going to talk about that real quick, although neither one of us has seen it yet. Um, we'll talk about its uh, projection on what it's going to look like uh, when the weekend's said and done. We're going to look back uh, in 45 years ago on the big screen, uh, 1977, a pretty monumental year in movies, um, considering a little film by George Lucas came out that year that pretty much changed uh, everything in movies, at least science fiction, that is. And uh, we'll do some movie news, check around and uh, see what's going on with uh, with uh, some new stuff that we've seen and a whole lot of fun stuff. Although my partner's probably on pins and needles as we record this on a Saturday as his Patriots are ready to uh, invade Buffalo with below zero weather. Are you confident for tonight? Now, remember, no, when, this airs, a- when this airs on the radio, yeah. The result will probably already be done. Here's what's interesting. In my mind's eye, everything after the Dubai with New England Patriots, they have not played nearly as well as they did. They had a very late to buy, too. They had a very right? late buy, yeah. So, So in my mind, I say to myself, I can't really see how they could win this game because the quarterback difference is very drastic. I drastic. Think. But I think okay. the weather will equalize that, but, right? A but little having bit. said that, a lot of times, because I'm a big football fan, a lot of times when you say, I don't know how they could formulate a game plan to actually win, it's why I think they could win. Well, how are uh, you, by the way? I'm good. Let's talk about the new film this weekend. It's going to take on Spider-Man. You know, and my stock at AMC is really getting hit left and right. It is January. I get that. And we are in Omnicron. But how many people are going to go see Scream this weekend? It already in its in four days is going to do around thirty eight million. It's pretty solid. That's solid, yes. It's not Halloween Kills solid, but it's no, but it is solid. January. It is but January. Here's the, here, here, here's the thing: it's almost exactly the same scenario that plays out every week with, with every big release. Yeah. Well, okay. This what happens is now this uh, you you started to see a lot of reviews early, like uh, a few days before it opened, really positive, right? Right. You go on YouTube, really positive, and then when the movie hits. Then you start it. Then you start to see s- some of the the naysayers, uh, you know, basically pumping the faults of the film more. It's like it's almost it's almost like, and and I said this before on the program. It's like the studio, the industry knows how to pump these films in a positive direction. I'm not saying it's not good. That's not what I'm saying. I, but yeah, they pump it in a positive direction, and then you start to see s- stuff around the, the edges. So the dam starts to crack a little with some of the, you know, oh, this is wrong with it. That's wrong with it. Blah, blah, blah. It, it, it's, it plays out this way almost every single big release. Let me ask you this, Chuck. <clears throat> and, Except and, Spider-Man No Way Home. I thought right. I was the only one who was mixed. But I, I uh, could argue, and maybe you'd agree, it's, yeah. it's just the nature of our society maybe. and social I, yeah, media I, nowadays. I think, you're, I think you're right. When you just said that almost instantaneously in my mind, I you're right. It, it's just it's like people just cannot enjoy or especially something that's as mainstream it, as that. It's like, it's like stand them up. Oh yeah. Kick them down. Kick the legs down. Out. Let's, let's kick them a little. Yep. Right. It, yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's what the social media is designed to do, especially Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. But it, again, it's going to make some decent 
uh, money at the box office for a let's face it. The Scream 4 came out 11 years ago. The original 25 years ago. Long so time ago. It's a long time ago. No, your, over, your overall take of the franchise. In a, in um, and we've talked about this. I mean, the, the first one's obviously an instant classic. And then I think the just, second one's just as good. It is good. Now, it I wouldn't go that sequel. far, but I it, think it is a great sequel. Yeah, it's it's good. Uh, I just and felt I, like, I like the third and the fourth. I like them. I like them yeah, all, but I, I don't think the they just two. I just don't think they offered enough new stuff other than different stars. Uh, you know, it just became just a slasher. Okay, movie. let me ask you a question. You're a new generation. You're at home on a rainy Saturday night. And you say, okay, let's watch all four screen movies. I think you're going to get something out of every one of them. I think you would. I, you're oh, probably yeah, yeah. right. You're probably right. The, the the leads are appealing enough where you're going to get something throughout. Um, and they're all back for. I don't know why they're not calling it Scream Five. I just don't. I don't. I don't understand it. It's not a. Well, they're fine. They're doing what they did with Halloween a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, I, I suppose it so. Halloween. It makes no logical sense. No, it doesn't. Other, um, other than there, it's it's what they call this is a soft reboot. I would think there's some there's probably some research out there somewhere telling them don't make it a straight, you know, with a number on it. And I don't know who, who and frankly, who cares? But um, I did get a chance to see. I wanted to bring up. I saw the tender bar directed by. What do you, what do you think? It was, it, it was really good uh, coming of age movie. Uh, boy, that Taylor uh, Taylor Sheridan's Ty Sheridan's really good. in it. I wish he had more screen time and Ben Affleck's always good. He brings a lot to the table here. Um, those it's, girls fit him well. Yeah, they do. You know, kind of a mentor to a young kid. And uh, and it takes place on Long Island in, in, in the 70s. And, it, you know, there's a lot of good things to say about it. That being said, it's a memoir movie that if you if you if you take a liking to this story or you're from the region, you'll probably enjoy it. I can't see somebody in middle America saying I can really identify with these characters and I know what's going on. Got it. But it, it does have good performances, well directed by Clooney, um, very subtle. Um, and it's on Amazon. If you want to check it out, it's a pretty good, uh, entertaining couple of hours. Can I speak about something I watched? Sure. Okay. It's blowing up the internet. I don't know if you know, it's blowing, Mike, blowing up the internet. Okay. The final episode of Dexter New Blood. Let me just oh my preface. Gosh. Everybody's going nuts. It's so polarizing. It's ridiculous. I loved the, the season of Dexter New Blood. I loved right. it. Right. I thought it was I thought it was as almost as good as anything they've ever done on the show. And I am a huge fan of Dexter. Michael C. Hall is awesome. Yep. The new cast here, Clancy, Bla uh, Clancy Brown. Brown, I yeah. thought was great as a nemesis. Very layered. The uh, the the actress who played his uh, Dexter's love interest, who's a sheriff in the, in the small town. I thought she was awesome. She was in the Twilight movies back in the day. Mm hmm. So. I'm in. OK, I, I couldn't wait for the final. Is that Ashley so I, Green? Love, Ashley Green? That, no, is that Ashley. Who is it? Who is it? Who is that actress that's in that? I forget. I forget her name. Oh, OK. okay. Anyway, so I'm, I'm watching this this final episode. First half of it, I'm on pins and needles. I'm like, this is awesome. Right. And then at like the 35, 40 minute mark, I'm not going to give away spoilers, but Dexter does something that to me. I was like, uh, no, Dexter wouldn't have did that. And then it goes into what obviously is just a showrunner's vision of what that should happen to char the character of Dexter. And I got to tell you, when it ended, myself, like so many people who were venting on YouTube, yeah, it just felt like a betrayal of the fan base. Like, why did you, first of all, the ratings have never been higher for Dexter. Nine million people an episode have been watching between a Showtime and Amazon Prime. 
It's people back into it. It's well done. They love the character. They love the character of Dexter. And then at the end of the day, the showrunner and the, and the screen, the writer, the script writer, basically turned Dexter into something that he's not. It ends on a like, are you kidding me? And I gotta tell you, for, oh, that's two, a days, for, for two days, I was like. I want to say I had trouble sleeping. The first night I actually did have a little trouble sleeping. The second night I'm like, all I did is watch YouTube videos of people who agree with what I think. Right. And I'm like, they're asking for a do-over. They wow, wanted a do-over in season eight. They wow. want a do-over. They're like, they're a few They're The backlash is vicious. It's vicious. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, but I want to just say, I love the season. I loved it. I loved the. I loved nine. And I loved the first nine and a half episodes. It's the last half of the last episode that takes a character into a direction that I just don't understand from being a fan. I, it's almost like, did they even know the, their own character? They get, like, you know what your audience wants. Why would you have to give them the big middle finger and give them the exact opposite? I just don't understand it. Was it as uh, was it as monumental as the Sopranos uh, go? No, to black? I actually had no problem with the Sopranos going black at all. Yeah. In retrospect, I'm completely fine with that ending. This was a creative decision that will hurt the legacy of the show, in my opinion. I hate all saying right. that. Well, maybe we'll I get loved it. I did. I just want to say I love the entire season. I love the first half of this final episode. It's the second half that has Dexter doing undexter like things and the resolution to who Dexter is and his future was played out in a way that was a tough pill to swallow. Very tough. Maybe uh, we'll get a Patrick Duffy, uh, Bobby Ewing do over uh, if it's that bad. I, I wish they did, but I don't think they will. All right, Chuck, uh, before we get into movie news, not much of a movie star, but, you know, we lost Betty White. We lost John Madden. I mean, 2022 saw some pretty um, substantial, I would say, TV or movie icons losing their lives. We lost another one with the TV dad, Bob Saget, passing away while yeah, we were off this last week. You know week. what? It, it, it got a big reaction. It, it sure people, did. Well, you got to remember the, gen- the generations of people that grew up and watch TV on Fridays. Look, Full House by in no means is a good TV show. It's not. But. A lot of kids watched it growing up. Oh, and, absolutely. And his Danny Dw- uh, Tanner became almost one of the more popular TV dads of all time. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I think why people took his death hard. He was 65. He did not look it. No, he didn't. He looked he had, great. He had, a, he, had a, he had a very pleasant, likable, yep. youthful quality to him. And I think it hits people saying, like, he's alive today and now he's not. Yeah. Well, he's alive yesterday. Now he's not. Like, how does that happen? It's hard to accept. It's a tough. Again, we all are in denial of our immortality, right? Because we don't live forever. We all grow older, and uh, but it's something that is 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 tough to accept on a on a mental level when somebody who's clearly healthy looks good is still got so much to offer. And he's still touring, still doing stand up, still in the public and he's eye. Doing, he's doing stand up two hours ago, and then. Yeah, he doesn't, and then he's dead, and that's it's hard to deal with. It's just, uh, and, and then, it you sucks. Know, Let's be yep. honest, that's it. Just sucks. It's one of those scary things when you are in hotels alone, um, and no one there to help you. Right? It's just it, anything can happen, and he probably just had a heart attack and died, and he didn't have much of a movie career. I know he popped up in the Entourage on that show. He played himself actually quite funningly, uh, funnily, uh, and um, but and he has a great cameo in that. Uh, Really not that great movie, but Dirty Jobs by 
uh, Norm McDonald, who now him and Norm McDonald both uh, both gone. I'm not not dirty jobs half baked. Um, he's really funny. Yeah. So um, no, no. he'll be missed. Um, yeah, it stinks. It sucks. It is, and, now, you know, yeah. AFV is still on the air and he started it. I mean, let's face it. He was the first host of America's Funniest Home Videos. And he was doing yeah. double. He was on Friday and nights and Sunday like, nights. You know, it show ran like 80. He yeah. probably made a nice penny off that show. I would think he still was uh, making a nice yeah. penny off of it. Absolutely. So think about it. He, I, now- he, he was on Friday nights and then Sunday nights. He kind of bookends uh, ABC uh, as pretty much just a nice guy. And then he would play against type in a stand up and his public appearances. He would be raunchy and funny and stuff like that. So he kind of yeah. he kind of redefined his career later on um, being a little more edgier. Uh, and, and it's sad to see him go. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. The Golden Globes came and went and nobody if, if the Golden Globes happens and nobody sees it, does it really occur? Well, it, um, it wasn't televised. It, it wasn't streamed. They, it was just uh, I guess they they picked the winners and they and they released them on the on the, on the Internet. Right. Social yeah. media, a couple of different yeah. platforms. I, I was happy to see West Side Story. West Side Story did real well. M- yeah. Musical musical or, or comedy character both, both females race, won race. too both now, female now actors here's a bummer in the, the, SAG, the SAG awards right and uh, gave their nominations and rachel ziggler is not nominated and west yeah. story is not nominated for best ensemble which is equivalent to best picture hello like hollywood listen are you serious in this year another covid year spielberg hits a home run yeah and you Come on, this is now it is an acting award, so I don't want to get too wrapped up in that. So, again, I'd be more concerned if he doesn't get a nominee nomination for because he did get a Golden Globe nominee for for director. I I wouldn't go too overboard on that. I I could see where they would ignore musical at the SAG Awards. You know what I'm saying? Um, If they start ignoring it for the Oscars, that would be another thing. So, uh, again, Listen, um, they, listen, if she doesn't get nominated, they're missing out on a nice small. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Both leads are great in it. And if he doesn't get nominated, yeah. that's an even uh, sadder thing. But Will Smith won for uh, for King Richard, which was kind of cool. Um, I like that movie. Yep. And, you know, the power of the dog and Netflix movie basically won best movie with Jane Champion. Uh, you know, again, it, it's slow and boring. I don't know how anybody would like that. Um, and you had Nicole Kidman win for uh, Ricardo's movie. So there's some yeah. big names that won. It's a shame. Now they are talking potential hosts now for the Academy Awards, Chuck. And I saw names, that they're, they're talking two about names is Martin three, Short and Steve right? Martin. Really? No, I heard I heard I heard in the trades that they're that they're talking Dwayne Johnson, Chris Rock, and they want Pete Davison because they feel he could bring in the demographic. Uh, That'd be interesting, too. The the ratings were really good for that uh, New Year's Eve with him and Miley Cyrus. Right. Listen, I said before on the show, if it was me, I'd go Dwayne Johnson because I just think his likability, it's right for this time. Hard not to argue. Uh, I mean, I could see him and Ryan Reynolds doing it. Listen, if they if they went in and plus Ryan, I I think you got to go younger demographic. Yeah. But yeah. if they went Steve Martin and Martin Short, it'd be it would be a good telecast. It'd be funny. It, it would be, be funny. Fun. It would be funny. Now, remember that, that one he did with Alec Baldwin was actually yeah, quite funny. I, I mean, was... that would actually be con- considered still old school, right? Right. Now, M- M- Steve Martin, Pete Davidson. I would not go Pete Davidson alone. No way. No, no, no. I wouldn't let him no, do that. No, no way. No. But no. we'll see. All right. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up, and then we can get into yours. Is Ben Affleck says. He thinks 40 movies yeah, a that. year, What 40 okay. movies a year Big in a 12 ones. month calendar year. 
Okay, I, here's my thing because I've been released in theaters just so people know. I, the I'm not saying I know more than Ben Affleck, but I've been doing this a long time. Normally, in a in a pre-COVID year, they'll release about 430 movies a year, right? That's not going to happen anymore theatrically. It's going to be more than 40, though. I think it's going to be around 100. I, I think mostly big. I think I think we've talked about this. I think the theaters need big. The big ones, they have to, I, they have to be big, but we also know you can't do Spider-Man No Way Home with all that talent, all that acting, all that surprise. All, you, you, you mean that you can't, that's going to wear thin. You can't do that all the time. I mean, you got, you know, the Jurassic worlds, you got big movies, mission impossible seven coming out. Okay. Those should draw good crowds. But if you're a multiplex and you got, let's say, the biggest multiplex is 26 screens, they're not going to be able to fill those amount of screens anymore. They're not. Well, the same uh, movie is going to be playing in eight of them. <laughs> listen, you're in, you're you understand business because you're in radio. You know, there's going to be theaters going by the wayside in the next. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're trying. There's a lot trying to hold on. The, the art house model is dead. They have to reinvent themselves to do what the like the Alamo does. They have to do. Really cool, interesting revival concepts. They have to do rentals. They have to bring in bigger movies. But the pure independent movie, you can't you can't survive off that anymore. You need unless you have a ton of membership supporting you. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of you know a lot of independent theaters, unless you're in New York City, uh, in Los Angeles, they're going to have a hard time uh, overcoming what is a dramatic three hundred and sixty degree game change. Um, but there's going to be a lot of multiplexes. They're not going to. They're not going to make it. All right, Chuck. What do you got as far as movie I got? News? I got a lot of stuff to bounce off. So just bounce off this quickly. Paramount will re-release limited Godfather from '72 for the 50th anniversary with a 4K edition in February. I saw. I that, think yeah. it's awesome. Having said that, let's be honest. Very few will care, right? No, exactly. Okay. Um, HBO Max released the first still of their Batgirl movie. What made this interesting is. There was a mural, I guess, it takes place in Gotham City with with Michael Keaton's Batman. And then next to it was a picture of Robin. So the, Robin hmm. is going to have some involvement in this story. Some speculate they'll spin him off into his into a Nightwing movie. I could see HBO Max going the Disney route and creating a whole franchise of some of the 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 sub characters. Well, just like they Batgirl, did with the Watchmen, Robin. right? We just we just got a new Watchmen series. That came out on HBO Max with uh, with uh, uh, John Cena. So that just came out on HBO Max. So I can yeah. see I, I agree with you 100 percent. Yeah, that's a direct. I'm, I'm actually excited about this movie. I, I am. Uh, OK, well, you, I am. You love that world. Big, I'm, I, I don't I, do I love that world. I, yeah. I love that world. They're going to put big money into it. Um, I wish it played theatrically, but it is what it is. OK, some uh, streaming stuff. Disney announced they're going to do a Santa Claus Streaming. Scott Calvin's back. Yeah, a Tim Tim Allen. I guess they'll release that at Christmas time. Obviously, I would think so. Yeah. Um, and then they're also going to want to do a real real steel streaming series. You Jackman. I didn't think that was a good movie. That's just, no, I it's, don't not. It. it's not. It's not a good movie. I mean, Angel Angeline Lilly. I like she was in it, but you uh, Jackman's not going to be involved. No. So, and then NBC said they're going to do a reboot of Quant- Quantum Leap. You like that idea? I, well, I think that's got the most legs to it. That's for sure. They could do a lot with that character and that 
kind of concept. There's no doubt about it. Um, ABC has renewed Gray's Anatomy for a 19th season. Ellen Pompano, who plays Gray, signed a one-year deal. Yeah, people don't realize she is one of the most uh, successful financial talents yeah. in the business. She's made a fortune off that show. And she, when she renewed a contract a few years ago, they paid a big, huge, like 20, 20 million a year. Is Patrick is Patrick Dempsey on still no, on that show? Going, no, they killed him off. He's dead. They brought him back in a flashback last year. But there's only three major characters: her, uh, um, Bailey, and and Richard uh, from the from the uh, the infancy of the show. I still think it's a very watchable program, and it's gained generationally. I know a lot of people who've rediscovered that that show on streaming. I think right. it's on Netflix, and they they like it. And then when once you get hooked. You get new, you know, you get a, it's, I think it does about 12 million an episode across different platforms and the most, new ones. Pretty most people, most people watch it the next day on Hulu, right? And then nobody's watching yeah, it. Yes. Who the hell knows? I don't even know what night it's, do you know what night it's on? Yeah, it's, it's on Tuesday. Uh, no, it's on, it's, I think it's on Thursday. The fact that you have Nine to think, o'clock. the fact that you have to think about it means I know. appointment, appointment TV is over. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. All right, what else yeah, you got uh, real quick? What do you got this? this uh, okay. This week in, in TV history. All in the Family premiered. It was the first time America ever heard a toilet flush on American <laughs> television. Archie Bunker flushed the toilet. Uh, iconic show. We've talked about this many times. It wouldn't, it, that movie, that TV show would not fly now because uh, Can't people, do would it. Obje- people would object to it. Can't do you know, it. I tell you another story. I have a Facebook friend, right? He's a big Poseidon Adventure fan. That's how I met him. And, um, he posted on Facebook that he was watching the Bad News Bears from 76. It's one of my all-time top 10 favorite movies. And I said, great movie. And he said, make sure you watch the uncut version because a lot of the, when it plays on cable, they TV. cut it. They, yeah. I said, well, Amazon Prime, which I beamed on the big screen to show screen for the ESU girls softball team, shows it from its original theatrical cut. And I said, like all in the family, you could not produce that exact same script, that exact same script. Because it is beyond edgy, and it, there's a very there's some offensive stuff in that movie. Absolutely, language, yeah, right? absolutely, yeah. And people would go like, first of all, once it, once uh, it wouldn't get past the the process of going to production with that script, they would say, no, you can't do that. There's certain things, dialogue, and uh, and which is interesting. So I guess the point is between all the family, bad news bears in the '70s, like what's happened to us as a culture that we're so offended by things. Scary. Uh, the social media is the is the is the uh, is the common denominator. The fact that everybody can have an opinion and somebody's going to listen to it, and that's going to offend but, but somebody. If you have a right to your opinion. You don't I, have a right to shut down. Right. Well, everything. That's what. So everybody's a narcissist now. That's the problem. And um, then, and then this week in, in TV history, 1966, Batman, the TV yeah, show. I saw that. In, now, in three years, it, it only ran for three years. First two years was red hot. And then it just dropped like a rock in the ratings, right? right? They cranked out 120 episodes in three years, Mike. Think about that. That's crazy. That's well, 20 then, episodes it, a season. It was yeah, cranking it, them out left and right. I think it really gained popularity in the mid-70s, right? When we're all coming home from school and it was on yeah. and, and we'd that's watch it. Just, yeah, That's when that's I when discovered I, it. We got hooked w, to it. So. I think it was on WPIX. Or yeah, they would run back-to-back it, episodes. It, yep. Exactly. It, back, yeah. I was like, I couldn't wait to the next day. It was that and the monkeys. That's when, I mean, when I would come home, yeah, it was that Parcher's and the monkeys. Family too. Parcher's Family and in Brady Bunch too. I've, all those shows is right in our wheelhouse. 
um, where I did, we none of us, I don't think, really watched it when it was on network television no. at night. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, all right, Chuck, you want to move on to a fast five? Let's do a real fast five here because uh, we got a lot to get to in 1977 as we go back 45 years. One of my favorite actors, and I think he found his Jack Bauer most recently with his portrayal of Marty Bird. But Jason Bateman is uh, 52 years old, uh, 53 years old, Chuck. Um, uh, to me, it's heat. it's Ozark. But oh, no. And to me, it's Team Wolf, too. <laughs> you know, he brings that up a lot on his podcast. As a matter of <laughs> fact, uh, how bad that movie was. Uh, was but he's bad. done so much. He's he so like he survived it. And he look, did. He worked, I mean, God, he, did he soon. He, he also worked with Sa- if I if my mind uh, is still my memory is still good. He worked with Sandy Duncan. And uh, yeah, the Hogan the, family, the, the Hogan family, right? Yeah, they, they, the Hogan like, family. Yeah. But it was yeah. like, what was it? Valerie Harbor and Rhoda, right? It like, was called Valerie. Went, he, she, she left. The she went and then it the went rails, to the Hogan family. Yeah. And, right. And then he, he played her kid, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And he, he's, and he went through a, a phase in the late 90s where nobody would hire him. All his TV shows would fail. And well, then you know he, why? Because when you do Teen Wolf 2, yeah, they it's sort tough. Of don't take you seriously, right? Yeah. That, that stuff could kill your career. But then he's basically a go to whenever you need a likable actor, put him in your movies and, and it's going to work. Well, he's a lot and more than that, though. He is. And Ozark he, proved he, it. Ozark is he, fantastic. And he's a smart dude. Absolutely. He knows about, the industry. He knows the industry. He knows, he, sh- he, knows, he knows what works. He's well liked and he's had a good career. Well, he should. He was on it since Silver Spoons way back in the early 80s. So yeah. he's been in the business. And his sister, too, done, did real well with Family Ties. Uh, how about Faye Dunaway? Believe it or not, she's 81 years old this weekend. I think she's one of the great Oscar presenters of all time. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no, I, a warm baby would disagree. Listen, it's hard not to remember her at this point for that. That like maybe the worst moment in the history of Oscars. No, it, I mean, it that, is. that it's almost it's almost hard to believe that that it, happened. I know. And it's embarrassing to, beyond belief. If you had to pick a, a performance, well, Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde, Bonnie, Clyde, right? how about network network uh, and tarrying for an yeah, I mean, three, you know. three days of the condor. I mean, back in She's the mid seventies, she, she was, was a good. big name. Even mommy dearest. I thought she was fantastic as Joan Crawford too. over the top fun, over the top fun. How about James Earl Jones, who oh, is 91 Lord. years old this weekend? I, I, listen, let's let's just say let's not pick Darth Vader. I feel the dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's iconic. Yeah. Iconic uh, speech that he gives. That man is the- iconic. Yeah. You, he's if he's a- on a talk show, it's must see watch. Right? Absolutely. He's, he guy's iconic. And he's good in the quick little Jack Ryan. Two movies he did. There I tell you something. There's something about when you watch Field of Dreams and you hear him speak. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just that, that it almost is when you watch it, you say to yourself, that's what this country really should be about. Absolutely. About Absolutely. James Earl about just the, the value, the core belief, the love of something. Yeah. The pureness of something, the morals of something. Yeah. Where yep. what has happened, Mike? I don't know. We've gone off the rails. There's no doubt about it. And the morals are gone. Jim Carrey is yeah. 60 this weekend. Oh, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. Last night, I'm um I'm 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 uh, I, I, I bought Paramount Plus so I could watch a Patriot game tonight. Right. At my at my shop, right? Because they had the CBS games. Right. right? So I'm going through. I said, let's watch on Paramount. Let's, let me see what the content is on Paramount Plus. It's like, ah, some good stuff, some not so good. Then I said, oh, holy cow. They got a lot of TV shows scripted, right? So mm-hmm. or sitcoms and they have taxi. So I'm going through I'm going through taxi and I put on the episode where Laka <laughs> becomes a ladies man and she completely changes his personality. Vic Ferrari. Vic Ferrari. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to tell you, 
that show is timeless. Oh my it, god, it does, so good. it's a timeless show. And I'm I'm saying Scott, who Scott was here, who you know was yeah. was drove, drove me home because I had a car problem, right? Not truly, so, oh, the other Scott. No, Scott Pierce. So I'm looking. <laughs> uh, I'm giving him a plug. I'm yeah. looking. I'm watching, and I, I'm I see the cast at the table, and I said to him, "Look at that cast!" My gosh, holy yeah. smoke! Christopher Lloyd, Judd Hirsch, Mary Lou Hanna, Tony Danza, um, uh, uh, Jeff Conley. I mean, what a what an amazing! I mean, uh, Danny and, oh, DeVito, and, I, and, <laughs> Danny and, and, and Danny DeVito, of course, and 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 Andy Kaufman, and I and he said to me, "Boy, Jim Carrey was great as Andy Kaufman in The Man on the Moon." That movie's gotten better over time. It, yeah, it was he, great. It was a great, great performance. And that is one of the most fascinating. So Jim Carrey, Man on the Moon, that is one of the most fascinating personalities Hollywood has ever produced. But some might and, say and, Jim and, Jim Carrey's personality yeah, as well. But, but uh, yes, but if you look at uh, if you look at uh, Andy Kaufman on Taxi oh, and all the behind the scenes, so they knew he was an oddball. And to yeah. say he was an and if you want to watch something really interesting, go on YouTube and watch his stuff with Jerry Lawler. Back in the day when he got oh, into great. wrestling, it is it is just it is like stunning to watch that. So stunning um, to watch that. Jim he Carrey, was a, he was you veered true, right off into Andy yeah, Kaufman. You know, I know because both Jim Carrey and well, Andy Kaufman was a true definition of a performance artist, and Jim Carrey did a great job as Andy Kaufman. That's my uh, point. All right, I would I, pick, listen. I, I would I pick Truman Show. About, <laughs> I would pick uh, the Truman Show. Okay. <laughs> Last right. but not least, John Carpenter. We've talked. It seems like we bring him up almost every show. He is uh, he's only 74 he, years old. He could he could work. He could work. Give us another one, John. Give me. I you was, OK, I was talking about this on another radio spot I did yesterday. Right. By the way, by the way, his last director uh, was the ward back in 2010, which nobody. And I mean, I don't and even think he watched it. It wasn't even released. OK, no. here's the thing. The junk orbit of Halloween in 78. Easy. And, and, I mean, yeah, and the yeah. fog and escape from New York. Christine, the, and the thing. thing. And Christine. Okay. Yeah. Carpenter worked in an era where he was able to do a lot without a lot of money sure. by pure inventiveness, by building really cool sets, by having good concepts and a lot of imaginations. So when we were in the 80s, right? where you start to see the involve the involvement of between no special no ability to have real special effects other right. than practical and matte paintings which to me are awesome yep. okay i'm not knocking that stuff because i really believe that's a lot better than cgi in most instances okay but so he worked in an era of what's called in between in between nothing and in between everything and he did a great job he not he was never good when this when it was working for a big studio, Invisible Man, Chevy Chase. He always misfired when the studio gave him big money. He just did. 1977, Chuck, quite a year uh, in movie making. And I'm just going to go through the months and the releases and we'll just uh, kind of go through our memories of uh, what went on uh, back in 1977, 45 years ago. And in January, you know, it wasn't a movie release, but we got to talk about the January 23rd debut of roots and we brought it up on this show a lot um the impact that that miniseries on abc made not only on society but on movie making itself as well listen it was a thing back in the day to call water cooler buzz right roots had amazing water cooler well the first miniseries of prominence was rich man poor man right right which was the year before on uh 
on a, also on ABC. ABC, yep. Nick, Nick Nolte, Nolte yep. and Peter Strauss, and I was iconic. And then Roots was like must see television. Everybody spoke about it. Powerful, amazing cast. I always remember, you know, Ben Vereen. I thought he stood out the most for me as Chicken George. He's such yeah. a great, memorable character. I remember in the, in one of the, the episode next to the last door, the last when he comes home after a long absence and he knocks on the door and he, and he helps save his family. And, and uh, that bond he had with, with, with his, with his wife, he, and then now he's an older man and they did great, you know, really good makeup and they aged those characters over decades. Uh, the power of that miniseries was, was, was amazing. And like, we talked about this, they took well-known uh, likable TV actors, stars, right? Yeah. Like, like, like Robert Reed, who was a father and they Ed made Asner. them slave owners yep. and it had power to it. Yeah, it sure I mean, did. And I, I remember, um, I remember um, Lloyd Bridges. He was, what a nasty, what a nasty villain he was in yep. the last part of that. Smart uh, casting, real smart it was, casting. And he, it was, he was so good. And, um, it, but the last up, it made you feel like a million dollars when they, when they get, when they, when they actually gain their freedom and, and leave. Yeah. It was just, it was, and we, it was we had awesome. to watch it in school too. I remember seeing it in and school. People should still watch it in yeah, school. I, I can't. I know they re, they remade it a few years ago. It was more hardcore, the remake. It was Oprah, original, right? Oprah did that, didn't she? Yeah. It was yeah. more hardcore. Not as many people watched, but the original, everybody watched. Also, in, it, it was great television. Also, in January of that year, you had a, a horror movie called The Sentinel come out and a Robert uh, Benton movie called The Late Show with Art Carney, who got really a lot of buzz. Her, his performance as a private detective in that movie in February, Chuck, you had fun with Dick and Dane. Um, and we would get that later on with uh, Jim Carrey, right? And Tia Leone of uh, Dick and Jane were George Siegel and Jane Fonda back in yeah. the day. Yeah, it was a hit back in the day. Yep. Um, Twilight's Last Gleaming came out February 9th, Chuck. And I just sat down and watched that again for the first time in a while, which starred uh, Burt Lancaster and Richard right. Widmark. Really good, tight thriller about a guy who hijacks uh, one of the missile silos and and, uh, and threatens to send off a nuclear bomb. A really good, taut, really good movie. And also in February uh, that year, we got two uh, disaster movies. Uh, well, one's a disaster movie. The Cassandra Crossing held over from a late in 76 got released I'm in the fan. U.S. in 77 as a and, Canadian movie, actually. Yep. And Tentacles came out. One of the many Jaws uh, ripoffs. Right? Uh, that was jo John Houston, Shelley Winters, Bo Hopkins, and of course, Henry Fonda. I just want to say real quick, Cassandra Crossing, I'm a fan. It's a weird movie, though. It's, like, a, it's just it's the just ending is out there, man. Let me tell like, you. Like, and, and also, you know, Martin Sheen in that movie. Like, what a weird, what, and, weird and, character. And we expand but, upon O.J. Simpson, Simpson is in it. Richard, ha Richard Harris is awesome in that movie. Yeah, yeah, he what, is. He was a terrific leading man. He was. Um, it's about a and Burt Lancaster's in that one, as a matter of fact, as well. About a virus that's on, virus a, train, on a train and yeah. they don't want it to get out. And they're trying to basically run the train off the track. Uh, and, and, and and they have to, you know, save their lives. It's Ava. I Listen, real quick. Ava Gardner, earthquake. I I never really understood her appeal. No. Well, her oh, appeal rats. wasn't in the disaster movies. It was before. No, it wasn't. That. When she's younger and yeah. good looking. Yeah. Not that she was not good looking. She was before, very but, pretty in uh, but, earthquake. Yeah. But but she's overacts to, her, to her such a fault. It's almost absurd. Chuck, the best movie of February came out February 25th and maybe the one of the funnier movies of the 70s. 
uh, a sports icon movie. And that Slapshot came out. Oh, also, incredible movie. An incredible you know, Paul movie. Paul Newman said it was his favorite movie. Paul Newman uh, teams up with George Roy Hill, right? They did the sting and uh, yes. and uh, and B- Butch and Sundance and, and Slapshot mm-hmm. did it again. Very funny movie. It still yeah. holds up beautifully. And a lot of people were comparing what Antonio Brown did a couple of weeks ago to what Michael Ankin does in at the end of Slapshot. Oh, when he takes really? all, yeah, he takes okay. off all his clothes. And, and I, I didn't that? really. I got to be honest with you. I watched Antonio Brown do that live. I, I Slapshot never popped in my head. Okay. <laughs> well, but it I popped understand. in a lot of people's head. I understand. Chuck, in March, we get two disaster movies opening yeah. in the same day. Yeah. Um, Airport 77 and maybe yeah. one of the best disaster movies of all time. If you want to consider it a disaster movie and that's Black Sunday it might be the best movie of 77. In retrospect, I love John Frankenheimer movie with yeah, I like that movie Shaw. A lot too. Uh, Bruce turns uh, a great t- villain. And yeah. then but imagine that Universal and Paramount opening up March 11th, Black Sunday in Airport that is, 77. That is really interesting. And I got to tell you, like movies like Black Sunday, they don't make movies like that. What anymore. a great movie. I oh, mean, my God. And, and, and here, the thing about Airport 77, it has a very nice following even to this day. It's a really good movie. It's the only movie Jack Lemmon never starred in, in an action film. And uh, he, he, you know, he, he like Hackman after beside him and just said, I yep. only did it for a paycheck. But you're really damn good in it, Jack Lemmon. You're and, really damn good. And in for it. those it is, that. Don't know that is airplane meets airport meets Poseidon adventure and and has a lot of fun. And it lasts the last twenty minutes is really exciting. It really is good and and a good it's supporting good cast too. Yeah, and it's good to Dar- see Jimmy Dar- Stewart. Gavin, the guy's awesome. Yeah, Darren McGavin, Jimmy Stewart. You know, it's good to see him in a movie. Yes. You know, yep. uh, April Chuck, you get uh, the Eagle has landed, which I enjoyed growing up. I saw that in the theaters really young. Michael Caine, Donald Sutherland, a World War Two movie. Remember right. the buzz around Demon Seed that came out with Julie Christie. Remember that one with the she has sex with a, a computer in that movie, Chuck. I remember that on uh, on HBO. Then you had Audrey Rose, which was a I'm still, horror, I'm try, I'm still trying to process it, but proceed. Yeah. Uh, Audrey Rose comes out with Marsha Mason and Anthony Hopkins, a horror movie about a possessed girl. I mean, the biggest one that came out in April is Annie Hall, which is considered by many and probably even me, Woody Allen's best movie. OK, let me ask you a question, because I did a revival of Annie Hall a few years ago, like four years ago. Mm-hmm. How do you think? How do you think the Woody Allen stuff holds up? I don't think it don't holds think, up at all. I don't think it holds up well. And, and watch a movie like Manhattan when he actually seduces yeah, a teenager yeah, in that movie. Yeah, I don't think I don't think his I don't think his stuff that was acclaimed back in the day holds up well. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, Chuck will move to May. And I know uh, you you're a fan of the car, right? That James Brolin horror movie. That- yeah, I mean, I, I I discovered that on WHT and I used to watch it all the time. It's what's called a or in, in you know, I remember the video box in the video store, me renting that movie many times. Nobody's going to regard it as a good movie, but it's a very watchable movie with an interesting premise. And then you had Cross of Iron, another World War Two movie come out. Peck and Paul directed that the greatest, yeah. which was basically a Muhammad Ali story. But all that got sh- overshadowed. Come May 25th, 1977. Chuck, do you remember that day in movie history? Star Wars? Yes, it is. You remember what? The, did you see it in the movie theater? I saw it in the movie theaters three I saw times it, I saw as a seven-year-old. I saw it on a hot, really hot summer day. Me and my friend Neil in Brooklyn, New York, walk from, uh, we walk from 14th Street to the Avalon movie theater at Kings Highway, and we watched it. And, not, and you, you know, know what sequence stood in my mind even now? I remember sitting in a theater watching it, the, the, the trash compact sequence. Yeah, it's a big that, one. That that one that sticks in my mind, that one. That to me was when Obi-Wan dies and when they swing across him and Leia swing across. Oh, it's just great. 
remember then the score. And then of course, when Han Solo comes back at the end to help and, and uh, all that stuff. And, and it was really weird because obviously it's an iconic movie and it, it's the biggest movie maker of the year, but just released Memorial day weekend, that same weekend smoking the bandit came out that very same weekend that goes to show you how popular that movie is. It held up and became one of the top five movies of the year. And it's a very funny movie. And, and it really, it's all on Burt Reynolds appeal. Burt Reynolds and, said, Burt, Burt and Reynolds Jackie Gleason's very Burt funny. Burt Reynolds was the top Hollywood draw for 10 years. Yeah. And there's a reason why that movie held up is because, I mean, it, it, there's a, there's a niche for that kind of humor. And if a movie like that can, withstand star wars it goes to show you how popular it was and lost in 1977 is one of my favorite disaster movies and probably because it opened up a couple weeks after star wars and that's roller coaster chuck which i think you should watch every fourth of july personally along with jaws i love that uh action disaster movie about a mad bomber blowing up coasters a movie would you say 77 was the last hurrah for disaster at that point i think maybe maybe as we go through these here but i'm a huge fan of Siegel's performance in that movie. I brought it up here yeah. a million times. And it's always fun to see actors like Siegel do something like I don't say against type, but like, yeah, a little bit off genre, just off genre. He good. And he yeah. does good work. A Bridge Too Far comes out the very next week. I saw that in theaters, too, at a seven year old. And you look at this cast. Sean Connery, Michael Caine, James Caan, Anthony Hopkins, Elliot Gould, Gene Hackman, uh, Ryan O'Neill, Robert Redford, Maximilian Schell, all in one Richard Attenborough movie. Some people think it's overblown and too long, but it made a ton of money that year, Chuck, and it was a very popular war movie of its time. And again, we're, we're living, we're, we're going over a period where the audience for movies was definitely more, um, they were older, right? Uh, Most people, were, a lot of people were 40 plus going into movies. Absolutely. And if they brought their kid, they brought their kid. But it wasn't well, yeah. like a bunch of teenagers on a Saturday and Friday and Saturday night going to movies, packing them in. It was, it was a different it was a totally different animal in a different industry. And Disney would bring out movies like The Rescuers and Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Those are the movies kids would go to. And it'd be that rare one where Star Wars would be able to bridge the gap. Exorcist 2 came out in June as well. Chuck the Heretic. And I just watched that kind of recently. It is all over the place. It is a total misfire. Yeah, here's um, what I, I here's what I love. I always there's always you listen. It, it, it has its supporters. I know. I, 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 if you Google and you read like reviews and different, there's always you know, you get some people always oh, a misunderstood masterpiece. Uh, no, it's no. actually incoherent. Makes no sense. It hurts to watch. It hurts. Yeah. What, what was it? It's painful to watch. Um, New York, New York came out in June of uh, 21. That is uh, June 21st of 77. Scorsese's movie where we get the Liza Minnelli classic song uh, and performance from her and Robert De Niro. Um, I know a lot of people love the movie Sorcerer, the William Freakin action movie with Roy Scheider that came out in June. I, of I, 77. I, gotta be I don't remember it very much. Um, then we get the sequel in July, Chuck, Fourth of July weekend. You get Grease Lightning with Richard Pryor. Um, uh. Uh, and uh, a lot of people love that. You get the re-release of 2001. But the Bad News Bears, the follow up to the original and Breaking Training comes out July 8th. I saw well, that they in theaters. That out. They cranked out. A, they cranked that out within one year period. Absolutely. The they got Jackie it. Early, Hale back, Haley back, and a couple other players. But yeah. new to the series is Willem Devane as as uh, Kelly Leak's dad, and I actually I enjoy for, this movie I, a lot. Yeah, I do. I think for what it was, it's it has a fun a fun factor to it, and it has them winning at the end, which is really much like Rocky Two. What we, was the only thing missing from the original is they didn't win, and and they did away with the mess. The, listen, the, the mess. The, the first film 
This that movie's no, it's not dark. Kid, this that, one that is that not movie, dark at all. No, it's not. It's almost like they just ignored the darkness and the message of the first film and said, "Hey, listen, there's people watching this movie. They just they just like these characters. Yeah. So let's just have some fun." To many, the second best Bond movie of all time opened July 13th, and that's The Spy Who Loved Me. You and I are huge fans of this. This is Roger Moore's best one. Yeah. Uh, this and uh, Live and Let Die. Really, it's not even close. And this one, this is right in his wheelhouse. The heyday of Roger Moore is The Spy Who Loved Me in 77. Yeah, and a big hit. MacArthur comes out uh, based on Douglas MacArthur. Gregory Peck really embodies uh, MacArthur in that movie in July 15th. And then one of the more iconic um, it's not a great movie. Uh, one of the more iconic uh, white T-shirts, Chuck, in movie making history, especially when it got wet and especially when Jacqueline Bissett wore it. July 17th, we got introduced to the deep. Now, why did people go see the deep? Uh, the poster was great. Yeah, and- but I mean, the, the, the author of the novel was Peter, Peter Benchley. Benchley. Yeah, who did Joy. So there was a lot of anticipation. I remember going to see the deep. It's it was no and Robert Jaws. Shaw's back back in a yeah, it movie was too. no Jaws. No, it wasn't. There's some appeal to it, but yeah, it's mostly lot, her. No. Let's face it. It's mostly her. Another and water. The, and, the, and the villains are nasty in that movie. Oh, they, Lou Gossett Jr. is really, really yeah, nasty. There's some nasty villains in that movie. Speaking of nasty villains, July 22nd, The Hills Have Eyes came out. Wes Craven's one of his first movies. That, that is, is a, a good movie. Yeah, that is a good movie. Also, I, uh, I got to tell you, I watched that on WHT also for the first time and seeing it in the theater. Also out. Um, is Orca comes out July 22nd. Richard Why Harris. Did they again. Do? Why did they do Walker? Well, because of Jaws. What well, same yes. reason they did tentacles and yeah. and all that stuff. So Orca comes out. I saw that in the theaters as and, well. And the flip to Orca is your roof of the whale. The whale's the good guy. Yeah, um, the whale's the good guy. Empire of the Ants, which saw Joan Collins in a ant movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Walking Tall, the final chapter would come out with Bo Sevenson playing the what uh, Joe Don Baker started. Right. And in August, you get uh, the Kentucky Fried movie, which is basically the airplane yeah, people before you, airplane. I, that movie was funny. Yeah, it's a funny movie. That movie was funny. And, and I, we're still in a period where you're doing, you could do things on the cheap and have a good box office. Yeah, absolutely. You do, that, that day is over now. You just the, can't do it. The little girl who lives down the lane on August the 10th, Jodie mm. Foster in a horror yeah. movie. I saw Sinbad in the Eye, Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger in theaters with my mom. I remember that. That was Patrick Wayne in the no lead three. role. Was that 3D? Oh, no. No, it was not. Um, okay. Then you had uh, Suspiria, which many people consider a classic horror movie. Uh, came out August 14th, Chuck. Um, I never saw it. I, I, I know they just remade it a couple of me, years me, ago. Me, too. I did not either. You light up my life. Uh, D.D. Khan with the it was oh, a popular boy. song and they yeah. made it a movie, Chuck. They cranked out. Of, I, I have a feeling they cranked that out pretty quickly. Uh, that was the end of August. Going into September, you get uh, <laughs> some really uh, not much comes out in September of note uh, other than uh, The Haunting of Julia with Mia Farrow. I don't remember that horror movie. And then uh, Bobby Deerfield. I know Al Pacino is in that flick. He plays against type. Sidney Pollack directed. So October gets better. You get Oh God comes out. Um, along with a piece of the action and Rolling Thunder all on the same day, Chuck Rolling Thunder, one of those revenge, revenge flicks with Willem Devane and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, that is a, uh, a decent movie. And then of a course, lot of the biggest really, a lot of people really like that movie. I, it's I don't good. I just it, recently watched it. It's good. Now, speaking of, oh God, I got to tell you, 
that movie back in its day was super enjoyable. So huge at the box office, too. It was just super enjoyable. It's so funny. And he was perfect in that role. John Denver was, was really perfect. good in it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, October. Well, they, played, they played well off each other. October. Personality wise. Yep. October 19th. Looking for Mr. Goodbar came out with Diane Keaton. I remember seeing that on uh, WHT or HBO one of the days as well. A young Richard ball, movie, listen, I, dare I say a movie had some balls. It did. Also had some ball. Damnation Alley, Chuck. October oh, 21st, Lord. 1977. Here's what, here, here's what I liked about that movie. The poster. <laughs> Holy smoke. They, they first of all, they, they released that film. They didn't even they did. The effects were horrendous. They didn't complete them. Uh, I, I do. I did. Listen, George Rapod. I liked him. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jan Michael Vincent became a name. I don't know how, but he did. Yeah. OK, uh, the concept every time I remember every time that came on TV, I was like, oh, damnation alley. This is going to be cool. And it's like, holy cow. I mean, those effects. That movie was awful. No, nope. we might have gotten the two greatest science fiction movies of all time in one calendar year. November 16th, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is released. Of course, it's an instant classic. It's the number three movie at the box office. It made 116,000. And, and it really, really puts Spielberg on the map of just being a serious, serious contender for best director every year. And it's just a fantastic movie. We talk about it all the time. Once you rewatch it over and over and over again, it has so many layers of great performances, undertones, action and comedy. And it's just got a lot to it. Now, let alone the science fiction on top of it. Let me tell you something about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I, I've been watching it almost daily at my ice cream parlor. OK, because I, I I so miss that type of filmmaking, like the slow burn the character development, the oddball lead. Let's be honest. Yeah, that character lead. is yeah. an oddball. Yep. And I, I think I talked about this on the show before where Spielberg originally offered the role of, of Roy Neary to Steve McQueen, but he, he's hoped Spielberg, he, he won't cry on camera. Uh, so they so they ultimately went with Richard Dreyfus, who Spielberg worked with, and Jaws. I think he's awesome in yeah. that movie. His was also awesome upon repeat viewing because I do watch it daily, Mike, okay? It is interesting how Spielberg, the female lead in the movie, her name is uh, Melinda uh, Dillon. Melinda Dillon. Okay, yeah, very good. No, so, so here it's the movie's about obsession. Like they're completely oddball, obsessed people, right? But the scope of it is enormous, and that score by John Williams is incredible. Might be his best score. Okay, but I always uh, I find it interesting that he, again Spielberg, where you have Roy Neary, a married man who his wife walks out on him because leaves the family, he, leaves the family. He it's it's he is not what you would call a great human being, right? No. But when he's on the mountaintop with with um, what's her name again? Melinda Dillon. Melinda Dillon. Also in Slapshot that year, and they kiss each other. Yeah. Pretty interesting for a big mainstream movie in 1977 that appeals to fit. I did. I always found that interesting. And I also think it's really realistic. Weird. Yes. You, but and you root for and you root for him, too. It's like yeah, absolutely. He, he is a good guy. And so much so, you know, later on that month, he'd come out with the goodbye girl. That, and, and that wait, 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 real quick. And you close the camera. That scene when the the, uh, the government has those uh, the, the helicopters are spraying that toxic poison. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he slips down the mountain and she holds a hand out. And she says, come on. And she says, move your ass. I guess. And then John Williams music, music yeah. is glad. It's, 
that is Spielberg. I, I love when he takes the mask off for the first time too. And Let's realizes- be honest, no, nobody could direct. Like, and when Spielberg's in the wheelhouse, there was nobody better. Well, then he would actually win best actor that year because of goodbye girl came out a couple of weeks after think about that. What a I'll- great, what a great run he had. It's a great movie too. semi tough came out November 18th, Chuck, just in time for football season, which had uh, Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson in a football movie. Um, very funny movie at that. Uh, and then we move on to December with some really big movies coming out, including none bigger than Saturday Night Fever, which we get introduced really to the appeal and likability of John Travolta. I just saw a great recently uh, documentary on HBO Max about the making of this uh, the agent that put it all together. Go check it out. Saturday Night Fever, December 16th. This was the R-rated movie that came out first, Chuck. Remember, they would release it later on to make more money in PG. But which December is unpre- 16th. Which, which was one of a, they ne- that's never been done. Never been done. A lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of uh, people love this movie. Gene Siskel, to, the, to his death, said this was his favorite movie of all time. Uh, it is a fantastic movie with maybe one of the more iconic soundtracks of all time iconic sound here's the thing about saturday night fever it is a super hot r edgy movie. it is it is and it, and it, it is not i listen i can't imagine every single person sitting in a movie theater love that movie because and it has tremendous entertainment value and it's a really interesting good character driven story and travolta was you know at the height. travolta yeah yeah right but it's not completely pleasant either like, no, it I mean, deals with like uh, the, there's, Donna there's, Pe- the Donna Pescow sequence in the car, right? There's a rape I mean, scene in it. Yep. Yeah, there's I mean, a suicide like, in it. There's I'll tell you a-, a quick story. When I went to Sheepshead Bay High School, right, in Brooklyn, I, you know, used to get a, used to get your books, your books. And if you had to sign your book, right? Yeah. So one day it was a social studies book. I opened it up. Donna Pesco's signature because she went to Sheepshead Bay High School. Right. I remember ripping it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> she did a TV show called Angie. Angie back in the yeah, day. Angie. But, yeah. but my point is, like her character specifically, like a very, re- very realistic portrayal of the way, you know, oh, yeah. not everybody's treated with respect. And her character certainly was not. Well, I think most of the characters in that movie were dead on to the time and place. There's yeah, no, no doubt they about were. It. And, and it was my but my point is it was it was a hard hitting film that really became an, a massive hit. Well, the, the, the thing is, is that the BG song were so uplifting so and popular. I, and it, I agree. Upon a dark uh, setting, it, it just works so well. John Badham actually directed that movie. If you forget, Telephon came out in December as well. That was a Charles Bronson action flick of speaking of action flicks with uh, recognizable stars the gauntlet one of my favorite clint eastwood movie comes out december 21st of that year chuck iconic because of that great school uh, the uh, bus scene at the end oh, I, I, that is iconic iconic uh, it, christmas it is, a li- it is a little weird watching sandra Locke in movies with him now because they're you know that yeah. fallout was so brutal i just watched every which way but loose the other day and it's like it just doesn't her character's terrible in that movie, too. It's just an awful character. And last but not least, Chuck, we get a one of my favorite underrated Mel Brooks movies comes out Christmas Day, and that's High Anxiety, his homage to <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. Um, I, I remember seeing that in the theaters and over and over and over again, millions of times, Chuck, because it just made me laugh so much. That, that is definitely, you know, you talk about Blazing Saddles and Young yeah. Frankenstein. That one makes me laugh a lot as well. You, you uh, know, when you when you go over all these movies, and this is obviously a very good year. When you go over all these movies, and we talk about 70s and 80s all the time, going to a movie theater, watching a movie was more than just watching a movie. It was it was an escape. 
Like it was a more simple. Here's my point. It was a more simplistic escape than it is now. Right now, because now we're mass driven. We're compelled by marketing pushes to go to movies. In this period, it was more like, what can I discover? What can I I discover that I've never seen? Yeah. Who can I occupy my time with for a couple hours? Roy Neary is a pretty good way to occupy two and a half hours. No doubt about it. And uh, I just just think, I just think everything, and I'm not trying to sound negative. It's not a negative. It's just an assessment of fact. This generation watching movies versus people sitting in a movie theater back in this year of 77, they watch these movies for very different reasons. That's my point. Yep. Um, Annie Hall would win all the Oscars. Obviously, uh, Best Picture and, and Star Wars, though, would come out of it head, head and shoulders. Was Close Encounters nominated for Best Picture or no? Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, I believe it was. Um, and, of course, you know, it was the third most popular uh, movie of the year. And remember, they kept re-releasing it, too. They would do a special edition later on. They would like, you know, get a little bit extra scenes, especially at the end. A lot of people were bummed out. The fact that you never really got to see inside the the uh, the alien ship at the end. But I think it, it wasn't about that. It was about the journey. You know, it didn't didn't really matter, but it did get nominated. Uh, best director, uh, best uh, supporting actress, best cinematography. It actually won. Um, okay. but it, it did not get best picture. Uh, you know, back in the day, it was only five. I think they redid it today. They would redo it. And that would be one of the five best movies of 1977. Hard not to pick Star Wars as the best picture of the year, Chuck. But boy, um, there's some close ones there, especially with Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Saturday Night Fever, to say the least. No doubt. And, and even a movie like Slap, Slapshot, it, it's, it's classic. the test of time. It's classic. a classic movie. Yeah, it, and and uh, it brings up a lot of great memories. Uh, Chuck, that was 1977. We'll do this all over again next week, my friend. Always a pleasure. And to the audience, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media.